sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. What is the longest that you've ever gone without food? Um, It's probably not all that long if you're like me. I think the longest I've ever been without food is probably like two or three days when I was just really sick and, and just couldn't eat anything. We eat often because we understand that when we keep our bodies fueled, things go well for us. And when we don't keep our bodies fueled, our our bodies start to break down a little bit. You know, I had some fun with this. I did a little bit of research to, to start to understand what happens the longer we go without food. You know, after two hours, we're fine, right? We might think we feel like we need a snack, and so we go to the cupboard, we get a granola bar, and we're good. After four hours without eating, we're starting to look forward to our next meal in a pretty big way. That's just four hours. After six, seven, eight hours, you start to get pretty hangry. If you're like me, you get pretty hangry at least. Once you get to 12 hours, you know, you're still fine. You're hungry. And, and if, you, if you exert in a big way, then, then maybe you feel a little bit lightheaded. If you go without food for a full day, that's when your, your stomach maybe starts to physically hurt. After you get past a full day, after you get to two or three days, your body systems change a little bit. Your body changes from taking the food that it's taking in and getting its energy from there, and your body starts to to take the energy from the the energy that's been stored on your body, right? After two or three days, that, that starts happening. After one week, your body starts to look like it's using stores from your body. You know, you're starting to lose a substantial amount of weight. After 10 days of not eating, people kind of report that that walking gets weird, that it becomes harder to walk. After 20 days without eating, then your speech becomes a little bit strange too, and it's harder to marshal your thoughts. After 30 days without eating, I know I'm making big jumps here, After 30 days without eating, you don't have much energy for anything except lying down. And there are not many reports of this happening, but after 40 days of not eating, your body basically only has energy to keep the vital organs going. Hard to keep your eyes open. Hard to be thinking or talking at all. There's no energy for for, for defending yourself. There's no um, energy for for actively trying to solve your problems. You're in a bad way. This is where Jesus was at. 40 days. 40 days without eating out in the wilderness. This is where we see Jesus at. He's, He's at a physically very weak moment. 40 days without eating. And then he gets put into the ring with with Satan himself. And I want you to watch. I want you to listen. As I I read this text from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, as Jesus is at his physically weakest point, I want you to see, I want you to watch as Jesus beats.
beats the devil to dust. And I want you to hear, I want you to see that because Jesus has defeated the devil forever on the cross, you have that power over Satan as well. We'll read Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the gospel of the Lord. The first thing that I want you to recognize in this account is right there in the first verse. Matthew says that the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness. Isn't that unique? You know, I, I think that's a really uh, amazing, unique thing because the Spirit of God, what, it, what he's doing is he's taking Jesus. Remember that we're, we're seeing Jesus right after his baptism. He's leading Jesus away from his ministry. He's leading Jesus away from people. He's leading Jesus away from preaching and away from teaching. into the wilderness. And I also think it's worth mentioning here, you look at the Gospel of Mark and Mark's account of, of Jesus in the wilderness here, and you see that it's a, he actually uses a much stronger word. He uses the same word for the Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness that he does when, he, when Jesus is forcing demons to leave people. So the Spirit of the Lord is forcing Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days without food to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan. That's the only other character in this account, the devil. The world's most evil terrorist. You know, the devil, he, 
You know what he does? He, he's the one who, who rejoices. He rejoices at the atrocities of the dictators in South America. And the devil, he, he is the one who is gloating over the war in Ukraine. And the devil, he is the one who is throwing parties. He's throwing parties every time a marriage falls apart, every time a child is abandoned, every time there is a drug overdose, every time there is a murder. This is the devil. And the Spirit of the Lord leads Jesus out into the desert to be alone, to be weakened physically, to go toe-to-toe with Satan. Why? I'm going to ask you to hold on to that question in your heart for a moment here. And I want you to to look at this text and see what you can learn about Satan and the way he tempts. You know, one thing we can notice about the devil here is that the devil, he attacks when we are alone. That's what he does. He works really hard at this. He works really hard to get us alone, whether it's physically alone or emotionally alone or spiritually alone. That's what he does. He gets us alone and that's when he comes after us. And you can also notice this about the devil, the way that he did this with Jesus is he was very patient. That's what the devil is. He's very patient. He waited 40 days until Jesus was very, very weak physically. And that's when he attacked. And that's what he does with us too. He, he waits until the time when, where we are most vulnerable. Whether, you know, maybe it's a time in your life where things are going really, really well and you are spiritually vulnerable. Or maybe it's a time when things are going really, really badly and you are very weak spiritually. That's when the devil attacks. That's when the devil attacks. You know, he doesn't care much when you sin, and he doesn't care how you sin. He just cares that you sin. He knows it only takes one. And so he'll be patient. He'll wait till you're weak. He'll wait till you're alone. And he will come after you with all he's got. He'll wait till a moment when you are alone and you're bored and he'll come after you with lust. And he'll wait uh, until you are angry uh, and, and frustrated and he'll come after you with addiction. Or, or he'll wait to, for a moment when you're, when you're feeling stressed about money and he'll come after you with greed. Or maybe he'll, he'll tempt you with selfishness or, or, or lovelessness. He doesn't care. He just wants you to sin. That's all he wants. No, the, the thing that, that's most dangerous about the devil is that he knows the stakes. He's not just out there causing havoc. He's very precise. He's very exact in the way that he attacks. He knows what he's after and he knows what sin really is. He knows that sin is not 
a simple breaking of the rules. He knows that sin is much worse, that it's actually a breaking from God. When we sin, we break from God. And you think about sin this way. What is hopelessness? Hopelessness doesn't simply happen when we look around in our lives and, and we see that everything is going badly, badly. Hopelessness happens when we start to think that it's God's fault that things are going badly. It's a breaking from God. And despair, when does despair happen? It doesn't happen when we're starting to see that the things in our lives aren't making sense. we, We despair when we are convinced that God is not good or God is not powerful to carry out a good plan for us. And when does greed happen? Greed happens when we convince ourselves that we are, we are deserving of everything that God is deserving of. When does lust happen? It it happens when we convince ourselves that God cannot satisfy us. Satan knows this. That's why he's so patient. That's why he's so exact. That's why he works so hard to get us alone. Because he knows that all he needs to do is to get us to doubt God. That's what the original sin was. He convinced Adam and Eve to doubt God. That's what the devil's after. And he rejoices at the result of it. You know what the result of it looks like? It it looks like a wilderness in our lives. It looks like a wilderness in the world. And when you sin, when you break from God, what what life starts to look like is it starts to look like a wilderness. Maybe you felt this before. Life starts to look like a wilderness where you're you're unable to find sustenance. You're unable to find purpose. Where you're unable to find any kind of rest. Where you're alone. where there's no way forward. And what the devil wants most of all is for you to believe that it's God's fault. I ask you to hold on to that question in your heart. Why did the Spirit of the Lord lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. This is why. This is exactly why the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It's so that we could see Jesus destroying Satan. So that we could see Jesus doing what he was born to do. Going into the wilderness for sinful people. For people who are despairing. For people who are lusting. For people who are greedy. For them. To get them out of their wilderness and redeem it. And to bring it to God. 
This is why Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. You know, I want to make this very clear. I I purposely did this in this sermon that I did not talk about the temptations themselves. Because a a mistake that's often made with this text is that we view this text as a step-by-step guide of how to defeat Satan. And, And certainly, surely, it is a good thing for us to learn from this text about how to handle Satan. But that's not why this text is here. This text is here so that we can see Jesus. Jesus, the one who came to stand in our gap, to come down from heaven, to live in our wilderness, to do the things, to be the things that we could not be, to resist the devil that we could never resist on our own. This text is here so that we can see Jesus, the creator, destroying the tempter destroying the destroyer so that we can see that Jesus had no Achilles heel, that he had no weaknesses in his armor so that we can see that Jesus never sinned. And that because he never sinned, he never broke from God. And that because he never broke from God, he is what keeps all things together. See, that's the whole gospel message that we're going to see during this season of Lent. We're going to see Jesus in the ring with Satan and Satan giving him his best shot. And we're going to see Jesus pounding him into the ground over and over again. This is round one. And there are going to be more rounds. We're going to see Jesus as he, as he rides into Jerusalem, as he hangs innocently on the cross, as he dies for our sin, and as he rises again. We're going to watch Jesus as he does not stop until the destroyer is destroyed and the liar is told the truth. And here is the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel of Jesus is that on the cross that Satan worked so hard to put Jesus on, on that cross the devil was defeated forever. Any power that he hoped he could have had over Jesus, over us, is gone. Death is defeated forever. And Satan can only tempt. You know, did you see that? Did you see proof of that in this text? All Satan can do is tempt. He's got no real power. Did you see what Jesus, what, what happened with Satan after Jesus resisted all the temptations? Satan left. He knew he had nothing. Now, because of Jesus' victory over Satan, because of his victory on the cross over Satan, you have that power too. And I want, I want you to know that. You know, today, you're going to go home and you are going to go back into your wilderness and the devil's going to come after you. 
I know that some of you are, are here today and you're wrestling with them right now. I know some of you here today are, are dealing with the doubt that, that maybe God doesn't have a good plan for you. Or maybe he's not powerful enough to carry that plan out. And I know that some of you are wondering whether God can really satisfy you in your life. And I know that some of you are thinking to yourselves, God can't possibly love me. I've done too much wrong. I have too much shame. Today you're going to go back into your wilderness and the devil's going to come back at you with that temptation. And when he does, I want to give you a one-word counter-attack strategy. When the devil whispers in your ear that God does not have a good plan for you, tell him this. Liar. And when the devil comes to you and whispers in your ear that God is not enough to satisfy you in your life, tell him this. Liar. And when the devil tries to convince you that you have done too much wrong and that God could never love a person like you, tell him this, you are a liar. And because my Jesus has risen from the dead, you have no power over me. <laughs> Call him a liar because he lies. Do it every time. And something that I know is that the more you call the devil a liar in your life, the more muzzled he will become in your life. Call him a liar. Tell him about your Jesus. The one who defeated Satan in the desert. The one who defeated Satan on the cross so that he could redeem our wilderness and make it green and filled with life. Now I told you that during the season of Lent we're going to be watching a boxing match of sorts between Jesus and Satan. I use that imagery, but, but you can know that it's not a fair fight. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Jesus wins. And it's not close. When Jesus died on the cross, it was done. When Jesus died, when he rose, Jesus landed the knockout punch that floored Satan forever. He cannot get up. He has no power. His lies have been exposed. His power is gone. And you will live forever with Jesus in heaven.
Amen.